Guru Nation, welcome to episode 431 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trails Guru. In this episode, myself and Chris, during the Site Owner Academy, we talk about business development for research sites, meaning how to get studies, how to network with people, how to bring in more studies into your pipeline. Uh, this is, you know, how much is enough? And so that's what this episode is about. If you need help from us getting studies for your site, or even starting a site, just text me 949-415-6256. And also in the show notes, we have the Patreon channel. So how to increase your opportunities using social media. And uh, we have a monthly mastermind group as well. It's only five bucks a month. And then also check out the CRA Academy and CRC Academy links in the show notes and check out the book, the comprehensive guide to clinical research in there as well. And with all that being said, enjoy this episode of how much BizDev is enough for your site. All right, we're good. So how much BizDev should sites be doing? Okay, and this this is actually inspired by a podcast we did and a webinar we did. And you know, this is we're in the site owner academy, so this is going to apply obviously to sites. But this biz dev thing can be applied to job seekers, people looking to transition their careers to other, uh, you know, like trying to level up their careers, I guess. So this is good for that too. Uh, but we're going to specifically focus on how much biz dev sites should be doing because this is a site owner academy so if you're watching on instagram uh just know that you can apply these same techniques and the same rules still apply okay how much biz dev should you be doing so what do you think about this chris i mean the this is a very important topic people don't really people underestimate how much volume you need to accomplish anything i mean it's a lot oh absolutely and uh, I mean, I don't want to ruin the presentation, so I'm not going to get into how much I think needs to be done. I'm sure that will be covered as we go. Yeah, yeah. I think Carlos did a really good job with these slides. So just remember, it's for the sites, how much biz dev should you be doing? But it's really for anybody in the industry, job seeker, consultant, whatever it is. Okay, so we go to the next slide. I think this will be like a 20-minute presentation. What is business development? So business development strategies are plans for bringing revenue to a site. These plans can be direct or indirect, but they must help the site find more studies or expand the business somehow. Okay, so simple strategies such as going on clinicaltrials.gov can go a long way. In fact, this is one of the most reliable methods. And it's not clinicaltrials.gov is not just for the site owners. It's for job seekers too. Or if you want to be a consultant also, like there are just thousands of contacts on maybe even millions of contacts on clinicaltrials.gov. Uh, it's amazing how, I guess people don't, people get frustrated with clinicaltrials.gov because they want instant results. And it's like the opposite of that. You're going to get ignored by most people. Yeah, that's human nature. People always want instant results regardless of what they're doing. And you're yeah. absolutely right. You're, it, it takes some work. It takes some work to even 
uh, speak to somebody from clinicaltrials.gov. Um, well, certainly you can develop your business and, and bring on studies, uh, or as you were saying, um, meet somebody in HR or a sponsor if you're looking to get hired. Yeah, absolutely right. So clinicaltrials.gov, when you're sending pitches out and it doesn't have to be anything complicated let's say you go on there and you want an arthritis study so you go to clinicaltrials.gov you type in arthritis okay so now you find all these studies and you can filter it by ongoing active not yet recruiting obviously you don't want the ones that are closed uh but active not yet recruiting and recruiting okay those are good and so you want to apply to those. So you want to try to find the email contact for that study. Now ignore all the universities. That's not going, they're not going to work with you. Okay. Unless you're a job seeker or trying to be a consultant, those are good contacts for you too. But if you're a site, ignore the universities. It's not going to get you anywhere. You want somebody from a CRO or somebody from the sponsor company contact. Now, I would say most of the time you won't find a good contact on clinicaltrails.gov. So then there's other tools you can use like Zymewire, for example, but you have to pay for Zymewire. Okay. If you want to go the free route, you can try to find uh, one of the sites. Sometimes they put the site names and then you can Google the site and find out who you need to talk to about that study. And then you can say, Hey, I'm, I'm a, a colleague. I'm in California. You're in Florida. Uh, we should network and, you know, share study leads. I'm curious about your postpartum depression study. I want to get that study for my site. And I also have other studies that you might be interested in. And so that's a good way to network for free. But on clinicaltrails.gov, sometimes you get lucky and you'll actually find the contact from the sponsor and the CRO. So those are gold. Those are good as gold because you need to email them. You need to add them on LinkedIn. You need to follow up with them, put them in a CRM like Salesforce. Monica uses Salesforce. Uh, I mean, what do you think about all this, Chris? Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, I think I would add, as you were saying, uh, there's really no point in contacting academic uh, facilities for, for studies as a site. Um, I think I would add to that singular sites as well. So if, and you, t you correct me if you think I'm wrong, but if you're looking for a study and you find one you're interested in, but you notice that it's just one site that's working on the study, um, and it even says that it's one site, there's, I don't think there's any point in reaching out to that. I mean, you still could, you might get lucky, but most likely that's probably something like a investigator initiated trial or something along those lines. Um, I think, right. I think your time is better spent um, looking for multiple site studies. Yep, I agree. So clinicaltrials.gov, I mean, come on. You should be on there every day uh, if you're a site. We're on it. We're on it every day for our clients. Yep. All right, so next slide. Typical strategies for established sites. So established sites, you know, if you're an established site, you have a, uh, I guess you, you have the luxury 
of getting repeat business from sponsors you've worked with in the past. You also have a sphere of influence. So you have your CRAs that worked with you in the past. Uh, you probably also have contacts with some sponsors. Maybe your physician was a key opinion leader, or maybe your physician uh, is on the speaker uh, speaker circuit for some drug companies. So you can lean on this stuff. Okay, You can lean on this and rely on this for attracting more studies to you. It won't always be passively. I mean, sometimes you have to go follow up, you know, follow up, follow up, follow up. But oftentimes it will be passive, especially when you've done a good job for a sponsor, they're going to come back to you, you know, maybe in a year or maybe in two years. So this is why research sites, the first three years are critical because after that, the business starts to snowball if you're running it the right way. And you start getting studies coming to you um, passively. And then you should still be doing this clinicaltrials.gov and all this stuff. Like you should have somebody like DSCS doing it if you want to outsource it and pay a small amount. Or you can do it yourself. You can have an intern do that. I mean, you just need, it needs to be done. You can't just rely on repeat business because that's eventually going to run out. Right. Like it's just, there's no way you're going to time that perfectly to where every time you need a new study, somehow magically a sponsor you worked with in the past is going to have a new one. It's eventually that's not going to work out that way for whatever reason. Like, look what we just been through COVID, right? Uh, maybe <laughs> the, maybe the sponsor was planning on starting a study in March, then COVID happened. And now they're planning on starting in September. Right. So what are you doing between March and September? That's a long time. You know, that's six months. Yes. You should always be working on, on increasing business. Even if you're busy, uh, currently busy, you couldn't take on another study. You should still be working on it. Cause as Dan's saying, you just never know when there's not going to be any business there. Um, or you're going to be in need of a study. You, you at least can reach out and make the contacts, have somebody that you can discuss contact at a later time um, about a study. Mm -hmm. Just always be developing business. Yep. Yeah, we go to the next slide. And remember, Instagram, you can apply all of this, what we're talking about for sites, strategies for business development for sites, for your own career as well. It all applies. This is the same thing. Instead of asking for a study, you're asking for an opportunity. Strategies for new sites. New sites will have to rely on clinicaltrials.gov to obtain many of their study leads. Sites that are uh, that see sales reps. So some some sites see sales reps. Sales reps come to the office because the doctor's prescribing medication. So sales reps they get on their list and the sales reps start coming in. You you need to reach out to them and ask them who is your medical liaison. This is usually the person that is like a pharmacist and they're the bridge between sales and R&D. Very few people like when the, the typical drug company, no matter the size, are split up into many divisions. But like from the most macro level, we're going to have sales and we're going to have research and development. The two don't communicate. They're not really even allowed to communicate like the sales reps of drug companies are not even really allowed to interact with the research and development people because they don't want them. They don't want the sales reps giving incorrect information or hyping up some data from a study. 
there's actually laws against this. The sales reps have to be very careful about what they can talk about with the doctors that they see. But there are there is one group at these companies that is the bridge, the liaison between sales and R&D, and that's the medical liaison. And they're the ones who do know what's in the pipeline, and they also know who the high prescribers are in, in their territories, in their regions. And so these are excellent contacts for you as a site. You need to get on every medical liaison in your territory for the indications that you're interested in. Rod says, find sites to research. Find sites to research with is one of your best opportunities. So find sites to network with. Uh, exactly, exactly. Just like we're doing with Rosario. She's in charge of networking with other sites. To some extent, Monica as well. That's what she's doing uh, with other sites as well. So sites that uh, new sites should be laser focused on business development. What do you think about this, Chris? Oh, well, yeah. What else are they going to do? I mean, yeah. you don't have a site if you don't have a study. So you better be laser focused on getting a study. Right. There are three things you need for a site in this order. You need the doctor. So you want to start a site, you need a doctor. Then you need a study. Then you need patients in that order. Yep. Um, and if you don't make it to the third step, you're not making money. Well, really, uh, okay, next slide. you don't make it to any of those steps. If you don't make it through any of those steps, you're not going to be making any money. Yeah, but the worst thing is somebody works really hard, gets a doctor. Let's say they get spend a year to find a doctor. Then they spend six months to get a study. And now they get the study. They train their staff another three months for their site to get initiated. So now you're almost at two years of work. And now you can't get patients. Yeah. yeah. You know, it happens a lot, too. It absolutely does. We've had so studies you couldn't get patients for you got to know where you're going, you know, like I told Carlos the other day, he without a plan is lost. I'm sure all site owners have had studies in which they couldn't get patients for it. Yeah. It's a horrible feeling. Yep. Next slide. We're almost done, guys. I promise. No, I think we're halfway. Oh, okay. Networking. So like Rod said, you know, networking. Networking is the most important part of any business development tactic. See, Rod, Carlos agrees with you here. Networking can be done through conferences. Nowadays, these conferences are virtual. They can be done through LinkedIn. You should be, if you're not on LinkedIn by now and you have watched like 20% of my videos, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. Okay, you need to have a LinkedIn profile. You need to be using it. You need to be working on your personal brand. I have a Patreon channel that teaches you how to do this and we have a monthly mastermind you got to do this okay networking linkedin is so important especially during quarantine work from home uh talking to cras project managers medical liaisons etc networking is everything guys even for job seekers all right but especially for site owners well not especially but for site owners and job seekers networking is everything Someone in your site should be dedicated to networking full-time. Chief networking officer. That is actually me for DSCS, Chris. I'm the chief networking officer. Yeah. I, I heard a statistic one time. I don't know if it's true or not, but that 80% of all new hires are through networking. This is true. Yeah. And the same, the same thing. 
the same thing is for sites. I mean, you know, I would probably say a high percentage of studies that are awarded to sites um, are from somehow uh, networking of some sorts. Oh, yeah. I, I can see that. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, next slide. We're, we're just speeding through these things. Business development services. Some services can help generate study leads. Okay, this is Chris. This is your favorite topic. You should talk about this topic. Oh, I should. Business should I? development services. Are they good? Are they bad? What are brokers? What's the difference between a broker and someone like DSCS? Uh, should sites even use this? Uh, should you pay for finding studies? These are all questions site owners have. So you asked a lot of questions there. Uh, let's start with the last one. Should sites pay for the service? Yes, if they can't do it themselves, right? For any number of reasons. They don't have the time. They don't have the manpower. Um, they don't know how to do it. They are unsuccessful doing it on their own. There's any number of reasons that you may want to reach out and hire somebody to handle this. Uh, but even if you are hiring somebody to do this for you, it still makes sense to dedicate some time, again, either an, an employee or yourself as owner, dedicate some time to doing this every week. Um, and, you know, time is valuable, so maybe maybe you don't have that much time, but at least dedicate a couple hours. I would say if you want to be successful, you need to dedicate a minimum, a very minimum of eight hours a week doing this um, as a side owner. Either you're doing it yourself or somebody's doing it for you um, as an employee. And, and the, more, the more individuals you have working on business development for your site, the more successful you will be on bringing on studies. So even if you do employ, employ a site or have a broker working for you, still do this yourself as well. And the great thing about if you're using a broker, and the way brokers work is they take a percentage of your budget typically. Um, if you bring on a study that wasn't through the broker, you're not giving up that percentage. So it's not like you're wasting resources or anything by doing it yourself. You're, you're actually saving yourself some money if you bring the site to your bring the study to your site on your own. Um, mm -hmm. And then the difference between something like our services is it's just a, a service that has a monthly, uh, I guess, retainer, um, a consulting service in which. Somebody's just working on your behalf, doing the business development. It's like hiring somebody to do it, which in essence you're doing. Work on your business development. Um, you know, for our services, basically that's what you're doing. You're hiring us to work on it, on your business development. You're not you're not paying us when the study is awarded. Um, that's more of a broker. So there's there's, there's negatives and positives to both. Um, you're not risking anything using a broker in terms of money out of pocket, but you're paying them a lot more once the study is awarded to you. Typically, you're not paying a service such as ours uh, nearly as much just because you're not paying that 10% or whatever percentage it is of the budget. And then Dan has some horror stories about brokers, but I'm sure he's said this enough times. If we reported saying this enough times, probably yeah. the party. Uh, yeah, somebody asked me why are, you know what's why you don't like brokers. Just now. So, 
the reason that Dan doesn't like brokers is because I believe he actually lost yeah, Somebody money. asked me why I don't like study brokers, and I explained that brokers make you broker. Okay, it's they make you broker because they're usually charging you a percentage of the overall study budget. Yeah, and if, um, if they're doing that, let's say they're charging you 10% of the entire study budget. Let's say the study budget's um, $300,000. 10% of that's $30,000. So you have to pay them $30,000 regardless of what you make on the study. So if, if you enroll no patients for this study, so you're not making much of anything, all you're getting paid for is your startup fee and maybe a couple of other fees, you're not generating $30,000 in revenue. You may, you're probably going to lose 20 or more thousand dollars on that study, uh, the scenario I'm describing. So, yeah, uh, that's what Dan means by studies make you broker. Uh, basically, networking, you can do it for free. You could pay. Uh, you can, uh, but you should, no matter what it is, you should be doing something. In my opinion, you should be doing all of it. You should yeah. be doing yeah, yeah. it the free way yourself. Mm -hmm. You should be paying people to do it if it makes sense, not a broker. Most of the time, brokers will make you broker, but like a group like DSCS, for example, if you're paying to be part of a site network, so your, your costs are capped. You're not going to be charged more than our monthly fee for anything else. With a broker, they're not charging you anything up front. It sounds great, but then your costs could exceed what you're making, and that, you know that's terrible. So uh, bottom line, you got to network. You got to do biz dev. Everybody needs to do it. You can't ignore it. Whether you're a site, whether you're a job seeker, whether you're trying to be a consultant, you got to do it. So business development, I don't care how you do it, you got to do it. And I would be very careful about using a broker. I think that's the last slide. Is there another? Nope, that's it. That's it, guys. So bottom line, go out there and network. Go do stuff. I'm going to end the Instagram live so we can talk privately. So hey, everybody, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, and also go to the clinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, you can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to the clinicaltrialsguru.com and you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.